This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, Season 2, Episode 18. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. Brought to you by Excess Sites. And today is Thursday, July 1st, 2021. I am your host, Riley Bowman, and I'm joined today also by Mr. Graybeard himself, <laughs> Matthew Marister. Yep, we're back. We're back for another uh, another round here on Thursday. So there'll be uh, to wrap up season two. It'll be cool. Yep. Glad yep. you had me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad to be here with you. So uh, it's going to be a great time. What, so this episode is, this, this is the wrap we're putting the, you know, we're wrapping it all up in in paper and putting a nice little bow on top of season two is what we're doing. So since we moved to the new season format, uh, what this means is that each quarter we start a new season. Now, technically, we are recording this on the first day of the new quarter, but this episode was originally slated to be recorded yesterday on June 30th, uh, but due to some uh, vacation-related uh, conflicts. I was unable to get back to the computer in time to, to do that episode, which is season two, episode 18, as, as I mentioned in the beginning. Uh, so this episode is a what we're calling our season two recap and wrap-up. So Matthew and I are actually going to go back over all... Well, maybe not. we're not necessarily going to talk about all episodes from season two, but we're going to definitely highlight... Uh, some of the episodes that we thought were noteworthy for whatever reason. And the idea here is some of you that maybe are checking out the podcast for the first time or you've missed some of the past season of episodes, uh, this will hopefully give you some ideas of maybe you think if you're looking to go back and maybe you don't have time to get caught up on everything, but you want to hit some some highlights, uh, well, this may give you some ideas of, of what we covered in season two. I do want to touch on real quick the fact that yesterday in episode 17 of season two, Jacob and Matthew were doing that episode. And because I know we're going to get some emails or comments or podcast reviews from somebody about this, I just want to proactively mention that it was discovered after the fact, after that show was recorded, that Jacob didn't have his microphone settings uh, correct. So his audio quality is probably not quite as good as what you normally would expect for our podcast because we always strive to have good audio quality. Uh, that that was discovered, like I said, after the fact. I was editing that episode this morning and went, oh, no, but it happens sometimes. Also, my audio quality in this episode today is not what it should be because I am on the road uh, traveling on vacation and I did forget to bring my mobile podcast set up. I totally spaced packing that. So my apologies there. I hope you can bear with us for these two episodes. Uh, but I'll be back home and back uh, to the, the normal, usual podcasting setup here in just a couple of days. Today's episode sponsored, brought to you by our 2021 Happy Birthday America sale. Once a year around, the, around Independence Day. Uh, we do a big 
Independence Day sale. We call happy the Happy Birthday America sale. Uh, there are sale items available. To, I mean, there's all kinds of things on sale this week on the site. But the big thing is, is this is one of our ways of giving back to our many Guardian Nation members because they are the ones that get to save real big. We have items from anywhere from 20 to 80% off during the Happy Birthday America sale. So this is kind of the one big event that many Guardian Nation members look forward to each year uh, as an opportunity to save big on things that maybe they've been saving up for or waiting for to uh, purchase and to add to their to their arsenal or to their training libraries or whatever it might be. So this week with the Happy Birthday America sale, uh, let me just kind of highlight a few of the items. Uh, I know we've got things like uh, our Range Tech shot timers are on sale. We've got holsters on sale uh, from, from a number of the brands that we sell on our site. So Crossbreed, 1791, uh, those guys, we got some of their products on sale. We've got a lot of the Mountain Man medical stuff on sale. So the Wilderness 5-inch ankle uh, IFAC, which I think is a really cool product. That's on sale. The Yellowstone Trauma Kit, our Mountain Man Splint, which is pretty cool. That's on sale. We got tourniquets on sale. Guys, we have tons of great stuff. We've got belts, uh, uh, other apparel. We've got hats. we got t-shirts. we got all kinds of stuff, right? The foundation belt, very, very popular, awesome concealed carry belt that I, that I use on a daily basis. We've got training products for dry fire purposes and other things, such as our laser dot trainer from uh, Ready Up Gear. We've got the Manus X is on sale, Manus X3 specifically. We've got barrel blocks on sale, type three malfunction rounds. We've got cases and bags. Uh, the Range Ruck handgun backpack from Ready Up Gear also on sale, guys, big time this week. I've got batteries, rechargeable batteries. We've got Maglula, Uplulas. People love those. Slings from Viking Tactics. We've got various flashlights like a Surefire X300, Streamlight TLR1, TLR7A, handheld lights, the MCF Spark flashlight from Ready Up Gear, training books and DVDs, guys. I'm telling you, I, I, I'm just, I'm just barely scratching the surface here as far as everything that is available and on sale this week during our Happy Birthday America sale. Uh, some of you listening to the podcast may be catching this after the sale has ended, and I apologize for that. Uh, we probably could have done a little better job getting the word out via the podcast sooner, because again, most episodes we record don't publish for like another week. But uh, it's also, uh, I'll just throw it out to you that, hey, it's a good reason maybe to occasionally catch the podcast when we do it live on Facebook and YouTube, just uh, a little wink, wink, uh, uh, you know, hint there. So anyway, guys, check out the Happy Birthday America sale, concealedcarry.com forward slash HBA for Happy Birthday America, concealedcarry.com forward slash HBA, the link one more time there. Uh, and again, you may want to consider checking out Guardian Nation membership so you can get the maximum savings possible from our sale. And again, we do a Black Friday sale too that's also pretty pretty huge, pretty awesome each year around Black Friday. So 
Uh, just another reason to be a Guardian Nation member. Today's episode also brought to you by the Legal Boundaries by State book, which is published by us here at concealedcarry.com. Uh, I actually wanted to share with you what Michael Hammond, who is Legislative Counsel for Gun Owners of America, had to say about our Legal Boundaries by State travel guide. He said this, Almost daily, gun owners throughout the country write us and ask about the gun laws of their states. Your guide has provided an indispensable resource for answering their questions. Again, that's from the Legislative Council of Gun Owners of America, Mr. Michael Hammond. So super kind words of him. Uh, We appreciate that. Um, We'd like to think, too, that the Legal Boundaries by State book is a valuable guide, especially for those of you that do any sort of travel, uh, because you can go state by state by state and quickly review at a glance the most important gun, you know, carrying and transportation information right there in that guide. Plus, it has about 50 pages of uh, various topics, too, that, that are covered, such as you know, what to, what to do with hotels and uh, traveling by air, uh, you know, how to properly and safely store your firearms and to, and to uh, comply with the Interstate Transportation of Firearms Act and th- those kinds of things. So check out the Legal Boundaries by State book if you don't have a copy. Uh, and please know that if you buy the physical and electronic copy of that book, you will have lifetime access to the ebook version which means you get lifetime updates because it is updated multiple times each year. In fact, it is being updated right now as we speak. Yeah. There's a lot of changes. So, yep. Yep. Well, guys, let's get into our episode for today. As was mentioned, this is our season two recap and wrap up. Uh, we had, well, including this episode, 18 episodes in season two. A little bit less than what we anticipate having in the future, uh, because again, we are restarting the seasons each month or each quarter. So typically, we'll have probably closer to twenty-five or twenty-six or so episodes each quarter. But this one, you know, we 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 hit episode five hundred, and then the, elected to uh, switch up the format a little bit. Part of the reason for that was to actually create this opportunity to make it a little bit easier to digest uh, uh, groups or sections of episodes, or in this case, seasons of episodes. Uh, And and by that, give us opportunity to do things like this recap episode here today. So over the last uh, 17 episodes, uh, I'll tell you right right from the get-go, Matthew, in season or in episode two, uh, we had an interview with Steve Moses, uh, who is from Palisades Training Group, but also works for CCW Safe. Had a great episode with him talking about uh, principles dealing with, you know, shoot, no shoot type situations and scenarios. And he had a lot of other great wisdom to share in that episode. we will talk some more about that here in a little bit. Um we also had great other guests like Ryan Kleckner and Hanny McMood and Spencer Keepers, uh, some really cool things. But we also had a number of other great episodes. Uh, Jacob and I, I think both times we talked once about type one malfunctions, but also we talked about type three malfunctions in an episode we titled the mother of all malfunctions. That was episode eight of season two and uh, got, you know, a lot of great comments and, and 
and feedback from listeners about some of those episodes. So, yeah, we've had a we've had a busy season. We've covered a lot of different things, a lot of different topics, and had a lot of great guests as well. For sure. Yeah. So, what we thought we would do in this first ever season recap and wrap up episode is Matthew picked a few episodes and I picked a few episodes that we thought we would uh, highlight a little bit and point out. Before we do that, I was going to give you, I'll give you a quick rundown of, of pretty much every episode uh, so that you can, if you're listening to this, like maybe you are finding or discovering the podcast for the first time and you know, you can listen to this recap episode and at a quick, well, not really a glance because you're listening to it more than likely, but uh, you can get a feel for what we talked about and you can choose to go back and maybe listen to some of the episodes that you'd like to get caught up on that you may have missed. So season two, episode one is one that Jacob and I talked about breaking down type one malfunctions, which was based around the shooter ready challenge that we did. I think that was back in April actually. Uh, and then uh, the next episode two was the one I mentioned with Steve Moses shoot or don't shoot. That is the question. That's a, that's a really, there's a lot of, there's a wealth of information and knowledge in that episode. So you can go check that out. Seize or episode three was a justified saves episode. Uh, one where we talked about good Samaritans that uh, sometimes fail at being good Samaritans. Uh, and boy, is that not uh even more relevant now uh, after this recent thing that happened in Colorado. We're actually going to probably <clears throat> talk about that on a future, on an upcoming episode here in season three about the Arvada, Colorado uh, uh, shooting where the good Samaritan was uh, shot by a responding police officer. Very unfortunate. Episode four in season two was called four rules for holsters. I think that was another one that Jacob and I did Matthew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Episode five was a news and gear reviews. And the big thing out of that was uh, I shared some info about the brand new newly released Taurus GX4 pistol, which is kind of their P365 Hellcat, you know, answer, if you will, to the market. Episode six, 50% of the U.S. is unregulated in this one thing. Uh, that's a pretty interesting one. And I think, again, Jacob and I did that episode talking about uh, how more and more states either require, well, more and more states require no training to carry a gun concealed. Some are constitutional states, but some are, are permitted states, but, but where the permit process doesn't require any training, really, of any kind. Um, so we've, we've hit that mark now where basically 50% of the U.S., doesn't require any training for you to carry a gun concealed. Now we're not saying that you shouldn't, you know, you'll have to go back and listen to that episode. Uh, We make sure we clarify that quite a bit. We think training is very important, but we also think the second amendment is important. And that means that having arbitrary standards for carrying a gun is infringement upon second amendment. Episode seven, getting your FFL. Should you? That was a, very interesting and enlightening episode we did with Ryan Kleckner of Rocket FFL actually changed a lot of my own perspective. Has me wondering about getting my FFL myself. Episode eight, the mother of all malfunctions. We really break down double feed or type three malfunctions. 
It's a really good episode, also based off of a shooter ready challenge uh, video that I filmed. I think for the month of May that was episode nine was a legis- legislative updates episode. We we highlighted especially especially where the ATF is working to expand their powers, and that continues to be a, an issue and a concern. Go go listen to that for the for a legislative update and and stay up to date on what's going on uh, with things like that. Episode 10, your car is not a holster or a safe. I think you and I did that one together, right, Matthew? Yeah, yeah we did. That was, yep. that was a good one. We're going to come back to that one. Episode 11 was another justified safe episode. This was also called Brother Against Brother. Uh, do you remember that one? That was uh, the situation where a man was domestically abused. Mm. You know, he's, he's, he's a domestic violence issue with his his wife or girlfriend and she ran to like a neighboring apartment unit. They were in the same building or whatever and got her brother and like her brother came back or no, the, the husband came to the unit where she had run to her brother's exactly. unit and he had mm-hmm. to shoot his brother-in-law through the door Yep. Um, as his brother-in-law was shooting a shotgun at him through the door himself. Yeah. Crazy story. You guys, if you, if you missed episode 11 of season two, I'll go back and check that one out. There's a lot of lessons to be learned from those justified save stories. Episode 12, reasons you shouldn't carry a spare magazine. And Jacob and I break down uh, a bunch of different reasons why you might not carry a spare magazine. Uh, The big thing, big takeaway from that is maybe there's some other things you should consider having first before you have a spare mag. Um, but everything is context and situationally dependent as well. We cover a lot of those various issues in that episode. Uh, episode 13, another news and gear reviews. Because, again, we do the, we, we do news, news and gear reviews once a month. We do a legislative updates episode each month. And we do a justified saves episode every month. Uh, in that one, we, we talk about some brand new guns announced and released from Mossberg, as well as Rock Island Armory. So pretty cool stuff there. Always fun to see new new guns and gear. Episode 14, top five forks in the road for shooters. Uh, a special episode interview with Hanny Mahmood. Uh, it was very, very interesting. I think that was another power-packed episode in terms of just really great information. Hanny and I talked about a lot of different stuff. Episode 15, Efficiency and Draw Stroke. Another great episode. <clears throat> and episode 16, uh, Carrying a Gun While Injured or Disabled. Special interview I did just last week with Spencer Keepers of Keepers Concealment. And so if you, if you, well, I think that's a relevant episode for anybody to listen to because any one of us at any time could have injury of some kind, could have surgery something like that. And there's some really great considerations and takeaways from that episode about how to manage carrying a defensive tool, a gun, a weapon, when you are not physically at 100% and maybe don't even have the use of your primary hand. Some really good things to consider there. And then episode 17, which is just recorded yesterday, was actually didn't write that one down, Matthew. That was uh, seven criteria for um, a uh, quick access safe, right? Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. So I know that was probably a little bit of a mouthful to go through all of that. But again, for some of you that only really get the opportunity to listen to the podcast, I hope that's helpful 
for you to kind of get an idea of all the different things we covered. I told you we covered a lot of different topics, a lot of really great stuff this this uh, this quarter, this season. And uh, really exciting to come to a close of season two, which because that means that next week we are recording season three episodes. So, Matthew, what was one of your favorite episodes from this season two? Yeah, well, you mentioned uh, how, like, as you were going through that, I, I, it is kind of weird because I didn't, I don't remember like a lot of, you know, going through that, and some of them I was in, and I'm like, oh man, we did cover that. So uh, I'm kind of glad you did that because just listening to it, we did cover quite an array of topics. But um, I selected um, season two, episode ten which um, your car is not a holster or a safe. Uh, I thought that that was super, I, I, I don't know. It was timely in, in, um, in the sense that um, many of the, I, I wrote an article about it and many of the comments on social media, it was weird um, that many people said, Hey, I was just about to buy one of those things that you mentioned. I saw the ads too, and I was just about to buy it. And I'm glad you told me because I didn't really think of it that way. Um, and I think maybe it challenged some people um, that, that um, use these devices. We're talking about like under dash magnets or, um, you know, holsters that are, are attached or screwed to some panel uh, on the car. So you can have access to it um, where you're taking your firearm off and, um, and putting it somewhere or uh, unholstering it and then holstering it into some device that's attached to your car. And I think it challenged some people to say like, yeah, it, it may be a little bit, easier for me to get the gun because it's underneath the steering column attached to a magnet rather than me having to clear a garment, especially if you're carrying like small back or, or something like that. Right. And so, but challenge them to say, these things are, are things that you should consider and speed and accessibility of the gun is important, but maybe it, you know, you just don't have speed and accessibility, not because, um, it's impossible, which I saw a lot of the comments and that's sort of one of the reasons why I wrote the article, but because you haven't trained, you haven't practiced drawing from a seated position in the car. And, and once you start doing that, then you can, you know, you don't have to take on these extra risks, um, associated with, um, you know, mounting the gun somewhere in the car. And so, um, I thought it was, I, I liked that art, that, uh, episode. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, it, it, it continues to be a very popular uh, topic or, or method of carrying a gun that I see pop up online, especially on social media, quite a bit. It comes up in a lot of Facebook groups. People ask about, hey, I saw, you know, product blah, 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 you know, which is some holster thing or it's a magnet. What do you guys think about this? Like it comes up all the time. And, and I, I know why, because people spend a fair amount of time in their vehicles. Some of us especially drive a lot or spend a lot of time of, out of the course of an entire week commuting and that sort of thing. And we want to have our guns with, our, with us. Uh, we want to have them accessible. Uh, you know, and we see things happen, especially over the course of the last year or so where people have been attacked and, and, and pulled out of their vehicles and beaten and that kind of thing. Uh, and, and so it's on people's minds and that that's all very valid and relevant, but 
basically, you know, in episode 10 here, we, we, we broke down why the idea of a car holster or car magnet is not the best idea. Uh, you know, I actually just mentioned them. We talked about this, of course, but I just mentioned it a second ago about people being pulled out of their cars or even situations where someone is, uh, you know, you're involved in some kind of altercation on the roadside. A lot of times these are initiated by some kind of, of, of an accident, even just a fender bender. And, you know, it causes you to maybe exit your vehicle and things escalate. And next thing you know, uh, you need, you need a gun Mm -hmm. and your gun is stuck to a magnet underneath your dash, but you're 10, 15, 20 feet away. So, um, you know, the big, big, big takeaway from episode 10 was your best car holster is the one that's on you. And there are some different holsters, different methods of carrying that make things more accessible than others. You know, of course, that is, this is an opportunity to bring up uh, appendix carry, which you and I have talked about a number of times, and just how accessible that is from a seated position in a vehicle. Um, other positions certainly are accessible, but uh, my preferred one is, is appendix carry because it frankly works the best in the most number of situations that I have found. Uh, and for me, you know, every, we all have to make the, this choice for ourselves of what works best for us based on, you know, our, our, our lifestyle, our dress, uh, activities, work, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, certainly, you know, carrying in a more traditional IWB position can still be very effective. You can still access it pretty well in, in especially with some considerations in a vehicle, um, but, uh, but the, 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 again, the big takeaway here is I strongly, uh, recommend avoiding the idea of a car holster or a car magnet or truck gun or anything of that sort, because the best one is the one that you have on your person. Yes, sir. Yeah. So I'll go ahead and, uh, give my first kind of, I guess, pick for this season two recap. And that was the interview I did with Steve Moses, uh, which was titled shoot or don't shoot. That is the question. And, you know, right off the, I'll tell you the first thing right off the bat that he changed my attitude or opinion about was he, he doesn't call it shoot or don't shoot scenarios or situations he refers to them as don't shoot or shoot or don't shoot shoot or something to that effect uh meaning that the default response we always prefer to be a situation where we don't have to shoot and so he wants to encourage the the idea or the attitude of not always thinking that the gun is going to solve the problem and that firing the gun is going to solve the problem or has, or that it has to come to that because there certainly are many situations where not shooting is the answer. And I'm reminded of this, Matthew, actually just recently because I recently watched a, like a documentary of sorts. It wasn't really a documentary, but it was a, it was a recap of the Michael Draca case. And he was the guy in Florida that, uh, Got into a, an argument with a woman who was parked in a handicapped parking space uh, outside of a convenience store. Her boyfriend, I think it was, came out of the store 
and you know confronted him and actually initially shoved him to the ground and Drake uh, you know immediately from the ground drew and fired his gun and you and I talked about it then and I still believe this to be the case I, I believe that that uh, he made the decision like it, it was it was an automatic thing that when the gun came out of the holster that he was going to fire that that shot no matter what uh, and I think that has, great applicability uh, to what Steve Moses had to talk about and what he had to say in episode two of season two about uh, shooting or not shooting. Um, because every shot needs to be a disciplined, uh, intentional decision. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the fact that, you know, we have a situation like that where he just came right out of the holster and went right to the trigger that's a problem, and we need to be we need, we need to be preparing ourselves for for those kind of situations. We, and we and we need to have other answers for other things. And that was something else that was covered quite extensively in that episode with with Steve Moses was was you know less lethal options, uh, managing unknown contacts, you know, and how we might go about doing that, um, you know, and just looking for every opportunity to avoid having to use deadly force. Because as we believe it to be, and, and this has been consistent for us in the podcast, it should always be a last resort. Yeah, you know, I think we do a good job or we have been, not us personally, although I, I think we do, but in general, I think um, as a, as a, I hate using the word community, but like, uh, I think we do a good job of setting up real, more realistic training Um but I think one of the aspects that we still fall behind a lot of times is um, the mental training, like the mental um, exercises of going through something simple like shoot, don't shoot instead of don't shoot, shoot. Like that simple, uh, the way our brains kind of process the information and what does it go to first and how do we, you know, I, I, I think that we could do uh, if we focus more uh, collectively on training our minds as much as we train our bodies or our trigger finger or, or, or our sight acquisition, whatever it might be, um, that people would make better decisions, uh, definitely have a better uh, probability of making good decisions under stress. So that was a, that was a good uh, episode. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So let's hear your second uh, pick, Matthew. Yeah, I'll go with uh, episode 15. That was we did recently uh, draw stroke uh, efficiency in the draw stroke. Um, I thought that that was a really good episode. But first of all, because I don't think we could ever cover enough times the importance of a good draw stroke. Um, you know, efficiency is one part of a good draw stroke, but like the importance of being able to draw efficiently, uh, effectively, consistently. Um, I, I liked, uh, we kind of went in there and we talked about, um, not just doing a number of, um, appropriate and, and correct repetitions of the draw, but, um, the recency of, of that, uh, practices, it, it plays a, a, an important factor on performance later on. So, um, you know, not just, you know, I'm going to do 6,000 draws today and that'll 
tide me over for, you know, the month, right? Like much better to do um, a, a little bit each day uh, rather than that. And, and we kind of talked a, a couple of the uh, common issues that slow people down in their draw stroke and how to kind of, uh, um, you know, fine tune those or carve those out, massage those things out. So you get a more efficient um, and consistent draw stroke. So that was a, that was a fundamental, I think, um, uh, episode. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Uh, you know, and again, and I've touched on this so many times and I, I just engaged in a conversation with a friend uh, this past week that was talking about uh, where we place our efforts in practice and training and you know, he was kind of, uh, you know, talking about why people spend as much time as they do working on things like draw or mag reloads or that kind of thing. And, and by the way, I and I can agree with the reloading thing quite extensively because it's not a skill that comes into the picture in most civilian. Uh, in fact, really, in any hardly any civilian. Uh, deadly force uh, uses that uh, w- that we are aware of, but in the case of drawing a pistol, um, and this is my response to him and my response to other people that I have engaged in similar conversations with, we practice to a high level. I think the most critical things, uh, and we practice to a high standard because it makes the more realistic performance easier. And so what I mean by that is I, I, and this is my personal, this is, this is me. Okay. I, I do practice to achieve a sub, uh, sub second draw pretty consistently because I know that the likelihood of me achieving a sub second draw in an actual defensive gun use is, is not likely. Uh, it's pretty low. Um, I think that most likely I'm probably around a 1.1 to 1.2 in average, typical, you know, stress filled situations. Um, but here's the thing. I know I can do a 1.1 draw to, to an accurate shot at seven yards, like every time, because I practice doing it at 0. 0.95, 0. 0.9, 0. 0.85, right? And so that that's my response to that is, and I'm not saying everyone has to practice to that sub-second standard, um, but whatever your standard is, like if you're just trying to, if you're just trying to hit a second draw, a one second draw to first shot in your, like not even sub-second, but just like right around that 1.0 to 1.05, even 1.1, like if that's what you are practicing to do consistently in training, then probably for you doing a 1.3, 1.4 is very, very, very consistent and very repeatable. And that's still a very respectable draw to first shot time in that 1.2, let's say 1.25 to 1.5 region. Okay. But my belief is in training, we practice to go fast and to push those limits so that the more realistic, consistent performance is easier and more consistent. 
And I would say the same is true with, with about anything we do, um, including with reloads and things. And so that, that's what I would add to this as we, as we come back to, and as you, you, know, you picked episode 15, efficiency and a draw stroke. Uh, and I talk about in, in that, we, we discussed in that episode, but also it's something that I covered in the Shooter Ready Challenge, which that episode was based around, that there's some simple things that a person could do to help increase efficiency. And number one thing is removing extraneous movement that doesn't do anything to actually accomplishing the draw. And why is that important? Because getting the gun out in the first place in an efficient manner and putting it to use in the gunfight is the most basic standard to winning a gunfight. You have to be able to put the gun into the fight. You have to be able to use the gun in the fight to even be able to have a chance to prevail in the fight. And so, yeah, the shooting aspect is super important. Uh, you know, marksmanship and gun handling, all that's important. Okay. But getting the gun, keep in mind, we just came off of talking about Steve Moses's episode. We might not even have a need to shoot. Once the gun comes out, the situation may change. Once the gun comes out, that may be all that opposing party needs to see to go, oh, hey, buddy. And they back off or they break off their attack or their fight or whatever it is. And so, again, it still comes down to putting the gun into the fight. That means getting it out of wherever it is you carry it and up on target of some kind. That's, that is the most fundamental skill in carrying a, a defensive handgun. So you better learn how to do it efficiently. Yep. Right on. Fundamental. Right? My next... Yeah, yeah. Uh, so my next pick uh, is episode four, which is four rules for holsters. Again, I think this was an episode I did with Jacob, uh, but we highlighted something that you know, we've probably talked on or touched on a few times, these concepts. We certainly teach a lot of it in classes that we teach. I know that Jacob covers it in his even in his most basic concealed carry courses that he teaches, and I do something very similar. But what that is, is that uh, um, we have four rules for holsters. And so I'm going to review a couple of what those are. Uh, but I would encourage you to go back to episode four of season two to review the whole episode because we touch on and, and talk about a lot of different things. But the first thing, first and foremost, is that you know we got to think about it in terms of the job that a holster does. And the job that the holster does is it, it's meant to carry or transport a firearm in a safe manner. The way it does that is it's got to encase or cover the firearm in such a way that it carries it, but also does it without the trigger being able to be depressed. So that's the first rule is that you, you, you've got it. You're for a, for a holster to be considered a safe and quality holster. It must meet the first standard, which is, it must protect the trigger or prevent the trigger from being able to be pressed while the gun's being carried. Very, very, very important. Rule two. Now, these may be in slightly different orders from what we did in that episode, or maybe I do it in a little bit different order than what Jacob does it in. Uh, but number two is that the holster needs to uh, retain the gun to some, to some reasonable degree. And there's, there's different levels of this whether I'm carrying a gun openly and outside the waistband versus carrying it inside the waistband. But the, 
the end goal is that we don't want to have the gun popping out of the holster when we don't intend it to, and or we don't want the gun easily removed from the holster by somebody else in the case of where we're carrying it openly. So if you carry openly, your holster should have some level of retention, in my opinion, meaning that a person to draw the gun has to defeat a retention mechanism to be able to draw out the gun. Uh, in the case of inside waistband holsters, it just need the gun needs to not come out of the holster when we're doing things like backflips <laughs> or <laughs> forward flips or you know that kind of thing. Uh, so that's but you know however you want to define it or however you want to look at it, just think of it in terms of the gun you carry, the holster you use, and just in. All that matters is that that gun stays in the holster until you intend for it to come out of the holster. That's important. Number three, the holster itself needs to be retained to, in the case of where it's carried on the body, needs to stay on the body. Uh, the number one failure we see are holsters where they're retained by some kind of clip and the clip breaks or the clip pops off the belt I talked about in that in the, in episode four about how uh, a particular hybrid holster of mine that I carried with a number of years ago for for probably the longest period of time for a single holster up until more recently I've got some other things I've used probably eh, I don't know but I, I used this hybrid holster for several years until the rear clip because it was a two clip setup started popping off the off the belt and it did it actually twice um and, and that was a big concern because the whole belt or the whole holster and gun and everything started wanting to flop out of my pants and that would have been a problem also that hybrid holster was somewhat dependent on actually it was very much dependent on my body pressing against the back plate of that holster to kind of give it some some measure of retention so it would stay in the holster. If it popped out, there's no re there's no retention. It, that, the gun's just going to fall out of the holster. So anyways, so you got to have a holster that protects the trigger and trigger guard. Uh, you got to have a holster that uh, retains the gun. Got to have a holster that retains itself or stays clipped on or or connected to you or to your clothing or to your pants or your belt or whatever. And then. Uh, and then also the fourth rule is that you've got to have a holster that allows you to actually draw it effectively ties in with this draw, uh, stroke efficiency piece that you and I just talked about from episode 15. It's a lot harder to draw your gun efficiently. If the holster is designed in a way that the holster interferes with getting a proper grip on the gun when you go to draw it. So, uh, those are the four major things. We, we threw in a, a bonus rule. You can go and listen to that episode to, to get what the bonus <laughs> is. Um, but uh, yeah, those are, those are the four rules. Again, I'd encourage you to listen to that episode because there's a lot of good food for thought um, as it relates to what you should look for in a holster. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you're listening to this and you're contemplating and saying, Oh, I got the best holster. I, I see a lot of people, they have a holster and it's almost like they're sort of, they kind of feel that maybe it's not, you know, it's not covering the trigger guard as much as they want, but they have this like, um, I don't know if it's, I'm trying to think of the word like a loss, uh, like an aversion bias to say like, I've already done this. I've already purchased this. And by admitting that this purchase or this holster isn't the greatest, 
um, somehow I'm admitting that I was wrong. And so I'll just continue to use this holster and say, well, I haven't had any problems with it. It's the best holster that for me. And, and really you haven't tried anything else. So I guess I, I, I like the, the fact that you guys went through and, and gave some people some, you know, um, practical ways of looking at your holster analyzing and say, does it meet this criteria? If it doesn't, then go get a different one. Or if it does, but it's, you know, you think that maybe it's, uh, you'd like to try something different or it doesn't have as much adjustability or, or whatnot. Um, don't be afraid to, to try different holsters. I mean, that's probably one of the biggest things I see where people end up, one of them that stop carrying a firearm is because they have a substandard holster that doesn't allow adjustment and, they can't, it, it prints or it doesn't feel comfortable. And they're like, uh, well, I guess that's it. I, it's, I have a too, too big of a gun or, or what it is. So, um, I, I go, I would highly suggest if you have any questions about purchasing holsters or you're having an issue with your holster, listen to that, that episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good thoughts, man. Good thoughts. Yeah. What's your, uh, third pick from yeah, season two episodes? My final one. And I, I guess, uh, I don't know if it's been even, posted or released yet but was yesterday's um episode uh the buyer's guide or um, the um for quick access safes right like uh, we went through the criteria um for buying a quick access safe the seven criteria and um i you know i was surprised at first i was like ah this you know this will just be a safe kind of uh, uh topic that we can go through and it's it's you know, some people like it, but it's probably not going to like knock anybody's socks off, you know? And as we went through, like, I, I started to realize through the comments and, and things and going back and reading the comments of the, of the post that Jacob wrote uh, on the topic was that like a lot of people have these questions, like, and, and how um, many people buy safes and they really are struggling to find what makes a good safe as far as a quick access safe. And, and they have this idea in their mind of like this vault safe. And that's the only type of safe that they've ever thought of, or, you know, and when we say, Hey, don't leave the gun unsecure. If it's a home defense gun, put in a quick access safe. And they're thinking this big, you know, combination lock, like, you know, Fort Knox and stuff. And, and when you explain the purpose of these safes and how they function and, and the, in, you know, kind of the, um, some of the attributes that are that make it a good quick access safe. Um, I think people were um, pretty pleased and, and, and happy because they had these questions, and I'm so glad you you covered this. So uh, I like I I know it's a fresh episode, but I, I I enjoyed doing that one. Right on, right on. Yeah, um, yeah. We've we've talked about the idea or the concept of quick access safe for a long time. Uh, I've been using them for years. I know Jacob has been, you have, uh, you know, I was just, my mind went to the fact that right now I'm, I'm away from home. I'm on vacation, traveling, spending time with family, but I still have my carry gun. I still need a place to put that carry gun from time to time or, you know, at the very least at night. Mm-hmm. And I always pack along, you know, it's in my, it's on my packing list for when I go on a trip, quick access safe, because you know, I need, there's those times so I need to secure the gun. Make sure it's, you know, my concern now, I'll tell you what, my, my own children don't, because they're so used to seeing dad with a gun, um, there's not a lot of curiosity factor there with them. 
So they're not as inclined, I believe, to be like, ooh, gun, let's see if I can get a dad's gun. <laughs> but, you know, we're spending time with other parts of the family, you know, where we've got cousins and nieces and nephews and, and so forth, that where that may not be quite as much the lifestyle. And so for them to uh, either notice or discover a gun uh, that is unsecured is going to be, I believe, a lot bigger of an issue. So I absolutely, for me, it's a, it's a huge responsibility factor to make sure that I, that I pack and that I travel with a quick access safe. I got the quick access safes as well in my vehicles, uh, you know, because that's, that's a temporary storage solution to keep it reasonably secure in those instances. Like you're going to the post office and you need to lock the gun, you know, you can't go on this post office property with a gun in your possession. So there's uh, or you got to travel through a state even where, uh, you know, for whatever reason, you can't have that gun with you in that state or you can't be carrying that gun in that state. Uh, so lots of great reasons for having a quick access safe or vault. Uh, and in this episode, episode 17, like you said, just yesterday recorded uh, lots of uh, great criteria for choosing or selecting the right quick access safe for you. Now, finally, my third pick from season two is episode 14, which was an interview with Hanny Mahmood uh, called The Top Five Forks uh, for Shooters or something to that effect, uh, meaning that he had five reasons or five things that he feels like uh, sometimes trip up, you know, shooters or, or, or gun carriers. Um and we covered a lot of different things. So I, I thought it was a really interesting episode. In fact, go listen to the episode because probably like the first half of the episode, we actually talked about all kinds of really interesting topics with, with Hanny before we really got into the meat and potatoes of the, of the top five forks in the road uh, for shooters. But uh, a couple, I just want to, I'm not going to give away all five things right here, right now, but a couple of things that were mentioned was, was uh, one mistake that a lot of shooters will make is that they will find a good instructor, okay? Because that's really good advice. You know, we, we say that, hey, find a good, reputable instructor to take training from. That's going to make a big difference for you in your development as a shooter. But the potential pitfall there is, and I do see this. In fact, I, I can think of a couple of people by name that, that I know that absolutely fit into this category. And they get you know, they find that one good instructor. So it's not anything against the instructor because the instructor is a great instructor, but they tend to just continue training with that one instructor, right? Which again, probably better than no training at all. However, you are really limiting your frame of reference as a shooter and as a gun carrier by only taking classes from the same guy or gal over and over and over and over again. So I, was, I thought that was actually a really uh, great place to start in that conversation with Hanny uh, to, to mention that, because uh, I don't think that's something that really gets talked about that much. And I, th I thought that was a really great thing to point out, something to look for. Uh, I certainly have experienced myself as I have trained with a bunch of different top, like world-class instructors now, uh, I have appreciated things I've learned from each one of them individually. So, um, 
yeah, it's a it's a great great piece of advice. Um, yeah. Go oh, go ahead. No, go. I, I was just gonna on on that ta- on that point that you made about training with uh, different instructors. I think there's some there's some aversion to like uh, because there are different instructors that have different teaching personalities or styles, right? And maybe teaching things a little bit differently. And so there's there in, I hate to go back to like the, the, the psychological component, but I think sometimes we don't want to be told that the way we're, we've, we have it in our mind to do a certain thing and somebody else teaches it a different way that somehow that's a threat to the way we learned it and we're wrong or something or that. And, and, and it might not be a wrong or right. It's just a different, it's just a different method of teaching or a different way of looking at it, or, or it might just be a, a, a different um, concept. Right. And so I think constantly being challenged to, to look at things differently um, will make and by different instructors in different ways will absolutely make you a much better shooter um, in, in well-rounded in, in different ways, because one instructor, you know, it's, it's one, it's, it's one kind of viewpoint, right? And so with anything in life, I think, um, more counsel, more information coming in, um, makes you, uh, well-rounded. So, uh, good. That was a good point in that lesson or that episode. For sure. Uh, and actually, that that's a perfect segue into uh, one of the other things that we talked about in that episode with Hanny was, uh, and I'm, I can't remember exactly how he phrased this, but 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 the overarching idea, I think, or at least how I interpreted it, was a failure to be open minded and to remain open minded. That there's a tendency to kind of fall into dogmatic practices or beliefs, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that's that's right up the alley of what you're kind of talking about uh, right now. Uh, And that's the thing, like by limiting yourself in only training with one instructor or one school or a particular uh, range or whatnot, it it lends itself to more dogma in your practices and beliefs when you do that. Uh, In other words, training with more, people and a greater variety of people is going to be its sort of its own antidote to avoiding dogma. Mm-hmm. Uh, and dogma is not good and it, it, it potentially dangerous. Uh, and that's something that we do tend to see, I, I think, you know, like there's a couple of big training schools. I'm not going to name any by names, but where there's a tendency for people to you know, they, they get really invested in those particular training schools and the way they do things. And the most dogmatic people I've met, including some people that are very skilled, because they've certainly put in the time and the work and they've gotten training to, to level up their skill, but they still are a little bit closed-minded to things outside of that. And I think that's unfortunate. I'll just also throw out that some of my favorite instructors – are the ones that actually challenge dogma and challenge you to be open-minded about things. Rob Latham's one of the best at this, to be honest with you, because the way he runs his classes, uh, the way he teaches, like there's times where a, a student will ask a question and, or they'll say something and he'll challenge that be like, 
Is that really the case? Is that actually true? Okay, let's, and then that usually leads to some kind of demonstration. A lot of times with that student that's inquiring or asking the question or making maybe a dogmatic statement, and they a lot of times end up being the, uh, the demonstrator as Rob walks the rest of the class through this and shows, hey, either there's, there's more to this than meets the eye or, or proves why certain things maybe are more efficient or effective than other things. Because rather than trusting the, the dogma, we simply, hey, let's test that theory and let's see what the results actually show kind of thing. Anyway, the point is, like, like Rob Latham's really good at that. Uh, Scott Jedlinski, really good at that. Uh, uh, Tim Heron, also really good with that. Okay. You know, just very good at being open-minded and encouraging people to ask tough questions and to challenge ourselves and what we believe and actually test those things uh, to, to, to come away with what actually is and or works the best or arrive at the conclusion that maybe there is no one specific best way for a certain thing, which that certainly is a possibility as well. Mm-hmm. So interesting question from Cliff on Facebook. He says, is the word shooter a good reference for a concealed carry person? I heard it used today while talking about using different instructors. Um, no, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily say that it's uh, a reference for a concealed carry person. I'd say that referencing a shooter is just talking about somebody that shoots uh, quite literally, you know, literally in that sense. Uh, a concealed carrier is also a shooter or should be a shooter, but not all shooters are concealed carriers. Some people might be only competitive shooters. Some people might carry a gun professionally, you know, like law enforcement officers, and maybe they're shooters or should be. And by that, when I say shooter, like that guy's a shooter. Like that's, that's saying like they know how to shoot. When I use the, the phrase shooter uh, in that way, I, that's not applying it. That's not saying anybody that shoots a gun is a shooter. When I say like Matthew, Matthew's a shooter. I'm, that's a compliment because I'm saying Matthew knows how to run a gun and Matthew knows how to put bullets where he wants to because he has the, the prerequisite skills to, to shoot, to shoot well. Uh, so and, I, and in the context of episode 14 with Hanny, because uh, I think the, the term shooter was used in the title of that episode, top five forks in the road for shooters or something. I think that's what the title of the episode was. I, that I think what we were trying to get at is people that are trying to advance their skill in shooting a handgun. Okay, People that are trying to become shooters, showing that they have proficiency in the shooting skills. Uh, that, I think that's the context uh, that we were looking for and that we were trying to use uh, that word there, Cliff. So hopefully that's helpful for you. For, for what it's worth, I believe that concealed carriers, hey, this is a concealed carry podcast and you're obviously here looking for concealed carry information. Concealed carriers should be shooters. You should be proficient with this tool that you carry with you, many of you, every day. You, should, you, should, you better know how to use it. I mean, 
if you see a guy carrying like if, if somebody has carpenter pants like the true carpenter pants and they have a hammer through a loop on the carpenter pants or something like I, i'll look what i'll take one look at a guy like that and if the shirt if the pants are kind of you know dirty and maybe torn in a few spots and the hammer itself is kind of worn and you know looks like it's well used like that guy's a carpenter right like Hey, you know, you don't see someone carrying a hammer around with them that doesn't really know how to use the hammer. If that, uh, that's what I'm trying to get at, I think. Uh, Greg and Hanny's watching the episode here today. And so Hanny says also being exposed to other instructors can, uh, can expose you to another valid, i.e. safe, efficient, et cetera, way to do something. It may not be the one for you, but it may be the better solution for one of your students. Sometimes there are legitimate, quote unquote, other ways. And I, I agree with that. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. Uh, the more that we expose ourselves to different ways of doing things and different ways of thinking, the just the more well-rounded we, we become and, and the more sure we become in our own understanding and knowledge. Um, cause even when I can see things from a different perspective, like I see instructors that teach things very differently from how I teach it. And I may not even agree with how they teach it, but because I understand what they're saying and I understand what they're trying to communicate, like I can see that side of it. I can see that perspective because I've exposed myself to it and I've thought it through and I've tested it. Um, that, it, it's informed my my own understanding more uh, more fully, I guess would be the way to explain it. I think that's a valuable thing. It's important to, and we I learned this in uh, in high school as a as you know in debate uh, on the debate team, Matthew. You know that that one the cool thing about debate in high school or college is that you have to explore both sides of an issue. You have to yep. argue for the affirmative. And you have to argue for the other side of it too, right? And that is a great exercise because you end up understanding your own position better because you had to consider it from the other side. And then you can come up with better counter arguments because you, you're just better equipped. Mm -hmm. And I'd say the same is true as a shooter or as a trainer or instructor or whatever, concealed carrier. <laughs> totally agree, man. Totally agree. So that brings us kind of to the close here uh, as far as, again, this is season two, episode 18, which is the season two recap and a wrap up of season two, all the uh, different episodes. Uh, Matthew and I have highlighted a few that uh, for whatever reason stood out in our minds. Uh, again, we, there was, I mean, I think all the episodes are pretty, pretty awesome because I'm biased, <laughs> but again, we had great episodes, great topics. We had great guests again, just a, one more shout out at Steve Moses, Ryan Kleckner, Spencer Keepers, Hanny McMood. And we're going to have a great time guys coming up here in season three, and we'll have more great guests working on lining up some of those folks right now. In fact, so that's a wrap for season two. Here comes season three. It's going to be a That's great time. Yeah, let's do it. So, guys, thanks for joining us for this final episode of season two. 
uh, a reminder of our Happy Birthday America sale. Go to concealedcarry.com forward slash HBA. Happy Birthday America. Concealedcarry.com forward slash HBA to check out all the items that are available in our Happy Birthday America sale. Uh, consider joining Guardian Nation to save the maximum that you that is that is available. All right. You can always learn more about Guardian Nation at guardiannation.com. And also today's episode brought to you by our very own Legal Boundaries by State Travel Guide book. It's a travel guide for American gun owners. Check it out. At, I don't know if I get the link earlier now that I think about it. Maybe I did. But it's concealedcarry.com forward slash gun law book where you can pick up a copy and also see what it's all about of the Legal Boundaries by State book. So with that, any final words, Matthew? No, I'm just uh thanks guys for and gals for um sticking with us for the for the season and looking forward to uh doing season three. If you have ideas for shows and stuff, always email the the podcast uh with your ideas and things and we'll try to see if we can incorporate it into a, a, an episode. Yep. Yep, you got it, buddy. Good good idea. So guys, until next time. Next week, in fact. And between now and then, hey, we got Independence Day. We wish you all a very happy Independence Day, celebrating the founding of this, I still believe, amazing nation and something that is worth fighting for and something I will and I hope you will all continue fighting for, making sure it remains a great, wonderful, free country. Have a great, safe weekend. And until next time, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. <laughs>